I'm not sure how you came in here today, but there's nothing like the presence of the Lord. Amen. Now, I was reading a scripture this morning. It's a pretty popular scripture that most of you know out of Isaiah 61.3. And it says, And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You know, when we come into the house of God like this, we get to exchange all that stuff from the week, and we get to put on a garment of praise. And when we put on that garment of praise, something begins to shift inside of us. Something begins to change. So this morning, I just want you to lift your hand up for a second. I'm not sure how you came in, but right now, Father, we lift our hands to signify this. We choose to put on a garment of praise. We choose to say that you are worthy of your worship. We choose to say, God, that as we worship you, we know that you begin to clean us. You begin to heal us. You begin to deliver us. You begin to free us. So right now, even as your hands are raised, I believe the Lord is going to free you. He's going to heal you. He's going to deliver you. He's going to speak to you. He's going to give you words of revelation for your circumstances. So, Father, right now, for every hand raised... Touch them, move in their hearts, and speak to them today, we pray in Jesus' name. Well, let me quickly share a couple of things. Let me read the passage from Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 3, and it says this, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each one esteem others better than himself, Let each one look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Um, Let me quickly say this, that the capacity to consider the interests of others is a feature of maturity. All right? Children do not do this well. You know, they they don't do that well organically. I mean, you know, that baby, when it's born, it's it's not very aware of much, right? I mean, you know, the depth perception of a child is really, it's limited to what it feels. That's it. I feel cold. I feel warm. I feel hungry. I feel dirty and sticky. I, you know, and and I'm going to let the world know about it. And when you, when you trace the journey of a child to adulthood. Hopefully, hopefully, what it starts to give way to is an awareness of more than me. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> it's not always the case. And for, but that's, that's actually what maturity should look like. Certainly, it's what spiritual maturity looks like. How far can I care beyond my convenience? And that's what's being, being admonished here, right? It says, let everyone look out not to just his own interests, but to the interests of others. Now, man, I could say so much about this. There, there's, a, there's a limiting factor here, right? 
And some of the limiting factors have to do with calling, right? When I was a young Christian, just fresh born again, I had very, no maturity at all, yet within the framework of my orientation was this. I thought about nations. I, but I, I, I just had this bent towards nations. Now, as it turns out, that was a part of my calling. But I naturally, as soon as somebody started talking about praying for the nations, when we sang that song, I remember, uh, what is it? Send me to the nations, right? Remember that old song? As an ambassador for you. Oh, man, I just, my heart would well up, ah! And then I would, I, would, I, would, I would just feel this deep, deep passion for the nations. And, uh, and then when I started getting prophetic words, they were all about the nations. I mean, at Bible College of Christ for the Nations in Dallas, Texas, the prophets would come through and always pick me out of the crowd. I was always the guy who got the word. It was always about the nations. And um, I remember a few years ago, uh, I, we were in Kelowna on vacation. I went to church one Sunday, and uh, when he didn't go, I can't remember why, but I came back and I said, oh, I got a prophetic word this morning. Guess what it was about? <laughs> the nations, you know, and it's just, so, so I, I've naturally had an orientation toward the nations. But here's the thing. I didn't always have a true heart for the nations. I had a framework of orientation for the nations, but it took a while for me to actually care about the nations. And, and those two things are, are very different. So why do I say that? Because some of us, some of us, when we start to talk, well, let's pray for Costa Rica. It's like, oh, yawn. You know, I'm, it's like, I, I just can't care enough for, for out there. Now, the question is, is that a feature of your spiritual orientation and a part of the natural grid that God has put inside of you? Or is it because of a lack of maturity? It could be either. And I'm not deciding for you. All right? I'm not this, but here's the reality. The reality is that the workmanship of God inside of you will cause you to care increasingly about uh, uh, dimensions of living that are beyond immediately what affects you. All right? That's, that's, the, that's part of what maturity is about. We are being freed from the tyranny of me. Now, all right, uh, I want to I look at this passage of Scripture because if we understand this right from the beginning, right, right from the very beginning, when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, they, they experienced something. This is what the Lord said to them in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. It says, Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So we know that's what was given to him. Of course, we know what happened. Uh, you know, it was the woman that... that <laughs> now, she started it, but really, Adam had the opportunity to finish it, but he didn't. And, uh, and so the, the bulk of the blame went to Adam. But regardless, here's what happened. It's, uh, it says right after that, right after that, after they ate, it says God came into the garden, and listen, listen to this, chapter three, verse eight. So they're, 
they're, uh, they're, they have this response, and God comes in, oh, let me, let me read this part. Uh, I, I, meant to, I meant to throw this in there, too. So Eve eats of it, and it says, she gave to her husband, he ate. In verse 7, it says, then the eyes of both of them were opened. Now, let me tell you, that is not a good opening. When in this context, when it says the eyes of them were opened, they were opened not in the best way. What they were opened to brought death to them. And you know what the opening was? They became self-aware. Not just self-aware, but a tyranny of self-awareness took hold in them. From that, the tyranny of that self-awareness made them so rooted in what they wanted, how they felt, what they, what they thought, that they became unable to perceive or connect with the world outside of that self-awareness. And that self-awareness was actually death working within them. And, uh, and so from that point on, everything that they did was rooted in them. That's why... That's why when Paul is talking to believers, he says, let nothing be done out of this orientation. That's what he's saying in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done out of this orientation. And so the first question you have as a believer, like, man, like, okay, so you're saying I was born and every thought I had was rooted in this and now you're telling me don't do that. (laughs) How do I do that? It's very hard. You have to die. You have to put to death. You have to recognize that darkness and the evil of it and kill it. But basically, let's break down what happened here out of that. Immediately, Adam and Eve, they became self-aware. Their eyes were opened to themselves. They became intimately acquainted with the knowledge of themselves. Now, the alternate, the alternate was the knowledge of God. All they had before that was the knowledge of God. All of their orientation, every desire, every every thought, everything they knew about what was good or not good came from him. He defined their reality. Now, that all changed. And that's what the fallen condition of man is to this present day. Now, what did it immediately result in? A couple of things, all right? First of all, they realized they were naked. Now, that's unfathomable, but I, I won't talk about that right away. But it says they immediately started to sew coverings for themselves, and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of meaning in that. But verse 8 says this, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then Lord, the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? So the first thing that self-awareness creates is fear. Fear. And, and the need to create a separation between me and the world around me. See, the the hiding and, and the impulse to hide, the impulse to be safe through distance, through breaking proximity, through concealment, 
began right there in the garden. And so part of what God is doing, and this goes right back to Philippians, part of what God is doing in our maturing life, and this is what a community is about. This is why, to me, it's so exciting to hear about the ministries and the outreach and and the care. We're trying to see the fear broken that keeps us from proximity and intimacy with one another. Because the desperate, the most, the greatest felt need of the people around us is for actual friendship. People desperately want to be known. How many songs over the years have been written, I, I want you to know me, right? I want you to know me. I'm afraid and I have all these layers. I want you to navigate the gauntlet of all my self-preservation, but If you successfully do, then I'll let you in. But the greater the fear, the deeper the gauntlet, the more layers there are, and the more separation and loneliness there is. That's the reality of the world around us. This is a community where hopefully we're getting better at that. Now, we're not all free. We're all partially free, and that's okay. Are we getting freer? Hopefully. And to the degree that we get freer, the Apostle Paul says, to the degree that we've attained, let us so walk. And so the degree that we've attained, we let people in, and we care for people who can't let others in. We begin to negotiate and build a community by navigating people's hindrances, people's blockages, our own fears and our own security. But what we choose to do is this, I'm not going to let my insecurity rule me. I'm not gonna let my fear rule me. I'm I'm not gonna retreat from people because they slapped me on the cheek and, and, and didn't, you know, didn't say endearing things to me. I'm gonna forgive, I'm gonna release, I'm gonna walk in love, and I'm gonna kill this thing, that it, this impulse to hide, this impulse to fear, this impulse to withdraw, because I want community. Furthermore, I've been called as a hub of community. I can see it right now, homes all over this community where broken people show up, where you are the glue that holds them together. You are the one, and and we have so many people who do this so wonderfully, but you know what parents do? Parents are not like the siblings, and when the siblings have troubles with other siblings, the parents say, now you forgive, and you say I'm sorry, and you know, what do we do? We knit them together. It's no different for home groups. Most of the ministry we do begins with this one heart. I wanna create community. That, that my, my, my love for others is a reflection of my love for God, and these two things cannot be separated. But God is making us free. And you might have anxiety issues, you might have fear issues, you might have loneliness issues, you might have jealousy issues, you might have competition issues. Well, this is the place for you then. This is where we're dealing with those things. This is where we're breaking the tyranny of the fallenness of our humanity. And out of that's gonna come destiny. You know what's gonna come up with more destiny is more provision more ministries, more outreach, more people caring for people, more people loving each other, so that when people come in, they don't have the experience of Chris's friend who went to four churches and not one person spoke to them. You know, I understand that, and let me just briefly share. I was in Dallas this week, and I was talking with a significant leader, and I said, yeah, I came to one of your events, and nobody talked to me. He's like, really? 
I said, yeah, no, I wasn't offended or anything because the reality is when you get leaders from all over the world and certain ones know each other and haven't seen each other, the natural thing is to go to talk to people you know. Nothing wrong with that, but we need to be aware of something just a little bit beyond our comfort zone, just a little bit beyond what ministers to me right now because every Sunday there are people that come into this building who've never before in their lives stepped into a church like this, or a church period. There are people who hardly ever leave their homes and, and, and connect with the real world. And the, the COVID thing only give them a reason to do it even more, right? They work at home, they live at home, they go out in the safety of their vehicle, their air conditioning and heated cars, they go to a store, they grab what they need, they quickly scurry back to their homes. Fear... Loneliness, isolation has locked them into a world that we are called to break. And so God is inviting us to partner with him in creating or illustrating the answer that God has for the nations. Can you say amen? amen? So Father, thank you, Lord, for the way that you're bringing freedom to us. I pray that it would only increase Thank you for the beautiful people here in this church, in this community, in, this, in other churches, in this, Lord, make, do something astounding in community, community church and in Spruce Grove and in all the churches of Parkland County, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.